Greetings, greetings, greetings. Let's get right into another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? Doing well. Since the last time we saw each other, doing all right, I guess. Doing we all well. here. Just made busy trip. as ever, just like everybody here. Just busy, busy, busy. Quote, there's no more predictable team than the Rockets. You know exactly what they're going to do. But James Harden is so good. That's what analytics have begot, right? Predictability. If you know what the percentages are in the playoffs, you have time to counter them. Whether they're good enough to do it is another question. Because they are very talented, and James Harden, I think, is the MVP. Because that's not a very good team over there. End quote. Who said that? That had to be your friend. Who is that? Mark Cuban. Correct. He's talking a lot lately. Do you agree with what he said? If he refers to analytics as analytics, you know, uh, numbers and all, coming from him, it's just interesting because he's a dot-com guy, you know, writing programs. I think that's a bunch of numbers. Is that right, Doc? Yes. And I, I think he's actually speaking the truth. I think it's something else when you get it on the court and can you defend it. Well, see, of course, Rocket fans, being fans, took umbrage. And, you know, Cubans, th- whatever, throwing rocks and bricks and taking it all to another. Putting their fandom into, what? <laughs> well, well, taking it as boulders. But, you know, fans <laughs> being fans <laughs> took it at a whole nother level. But, honestly, playoff basketball is predictable. By definition, almost. You know. Yeah, you shorten the game. Michael up. Jordan. Come money time. Who's going to get the ball? Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Any superstar. Who's getting the ball? Superstar. Hey, superstar. Predictability. LeBron James has had the ball in his hand. Exactly. Kobe, LeBron, Dirk. Yeah. They might pass it off. You know. It's really crowded in an open shot. But they're going to be the person that's going to have the ball and have the opportunity to make a play, whether it's them themselves or passing to somebody to to get a final shot to close the deal one way or the other. So, I mean, that's that's not – that part of it is not earth-shattering at yeah, all. It's not at all. You know, we, we expect James Harden had a ball come money time. And whether he delivers or he passes off to Dwight, Josh Smith, there you go. Jason Terry, Trevor Reason, they knock down the three-point shot, that's up to them. But the ball's going to be in James Harden's hands. Absolutely. Unless Kevin McHale has lost his mind. <laughs> and I don't think he is. So let's get right into uh, Rockets-Mavs. Begins Saturday evening, 8.30 p.m. Houston time. Since we're talking about predictability, I think one thing we can predict is the uh, Rick Carlisle-led Mavericks will be fouling We'll be playing Hacker Howard and Hacker Josh, now, Hacker Joey Dorsey, whoever. I'm glad we we've got we got to that point there because is that a, a strategical situation late in the game? Because that's I know that's on the scouting report. You know, follow Rockets late. They just not a good free throw team. You know, unless they the Rockets are up by 20 or 30 points. You know, are they fighting to try and get back? I keep them at bay. It, I think it's strategy, and it's strategic in terms of that part of the game and you're going to go with it until one or two things happen until they find a way to win doing it mm-hmm. and go against the odds and shoot more free throws in such a way that they're able to win the game or until the rule is changed and I think ultimately to some degree you'll see the rule change and it's not going to have to do with anything as we have people obviously say that it's part of basketball a small percentage but it's getting too much talk 
And if you're in the business, you don't like that kind of negative talk to take away from the game. And so if the rule allows for a coach to take advantage of that, they're going to do it. And so what you're going to do, you're going to make a rule that doesn't allow them to take advantage of something that murks up the game in such a way that is not appealing to, appealing to your fans. Just about all fans that are true fans of the game understand that it is about strategy and it is part of the guidelines. But it doesn't mean that it's attractive. I mean, at one time in football, you could hold a wide receiver, essentially. It was part of the game. So that's what they're going to do. In terms of peasing aesthetics, mm -hmm. they wanted more scoring. So they said, created a rule. You can no longer do that. Everybody's happy. Except for the defensive back and the defensive That's true. And cornerbacks out. Can't pancake at the line no more. You can't do it. You, you know, so... Eventually, I'd be very surprised if this, this, to some degree, somehow, the rule was changed. In fact, they already did it. You can't do it the last two minutes of the game. Right. So how, how would you modify it? How would you tweak it even further? What would you, what would you like to see done? I, I think basically the rule becomes is that you can't essentially intentionally foul somebody. It doesn't have the ball. How about that? It doesn't have the ball. Yeah. Because – isn't there an intentional foul rule already in the NBA? They yeah. have to enforce the it's same on our It's on our level. You fouling someone without the ball, that means he's out of play, and you made a decision as a coach right. to take a chance and all that. that yeah. So that, essentially the rules in the book. Great they don't enforce it the same. Right? But I think no. and that, and the and rule wouldn't tell them to start enforcing it. It had been a point of emphasis. Nobody's discussed it yeah. to, where, to the point to where it comes up in a training camp. And I think that'll change. That's the part will change. Because so – if and my our colleague Tom Franklin pointed this out in, via Twitter, and other folks have as well, it's an intentional foul. Someone does not have the ball and they're being fouled. That's intentional. Then you should have free throws and maintain possession of the ball. But that's and that's not, when it will stop. But that's not how it's being interpreted. So you know you shoot two free throws, team that made the foul gets the ball. So Greg Popovich, Spurs and the Rockets played Friday in Houston, fouled Josh Smith. Sent Josh to the line, I think, 23 times, I believe. He, I 27, know. I think it was 27. 23, 27. Josh made only maybe 11, 12. He didn't make 50%, bottom line. And Pop said after the game that uh, one of the reasons why he did it was to keep the ball out of James Harden's hands. Yeah. And he's even said that he don't like the rule. Right. But he said as long as it's a rule, I'm going to take advantage I'm of it. I'm taking advantage. That's smart coaching. Exactly. And I got no problem with that, Rocket fans. I got none. But what I, 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 I don't either because it's part of the rules. And, again, that means that you need to go back to the NBA to the league level and create a, a rule that, yep. as you said, either one that's already on the books or something twerked in such a way that you can't, for lack of better words, murk up the game. Yeah. That is not appealing to the fan. So uh, who's going to be – give me some keys in this series, Wildcat. One, don't be coaching. Well, if it comes down to coaching, that advantage is Dallas. Thank you. I think all three of us agree on that. Yes. And many of us who are not Rocket fans probably agree on that, that Rick Carlisle is better X's and O's coach than Kevin McHale. Okay? And I think the, the legitimate Rocket fans that don't bleed with their hearts would suggest the same, too. It doesn't mean that the gap is so big that you can't win the game. Right. True. It just means We're in terms of experience, that, yeah. championship pedigree, and what most people think that he's one of the better coaches in the entire league. So it's not like right. you're disparaging one True. to suggest how good of a coach the other is. Uh, 
Second would be uh, overcoming uh, deficiencies. Rockets not being uh, uh, being able to overcome a free throw suit. And let's stop right there because that's the key. Because it's, it, it's interesting that that's starting to come up. The I, Rockets and Daryl Morey are so big big on analytics, but in had Dwight Howard, Josh Smith, Joy Dorsey. And Clint Capella, rookie big man, they are four of the worst free throw shooters in the NBA on one team. Excellent point. That, that you play with the numbers so much and didn't take free throw shooting in terms of the quality of the game and your ability to win in terms of analytics situation. I think you make a great, great point there. But I would suggest also a major component is the point game, point guard part of the game. Without Beverly, how much does that affect you in the playoffs when the game, as we all agree, slows down to a degree? And Rondo, obviously, he hasn't played up to speed, but he, can he, he? Rajon Rondo has he has to have a huge series for the Mavericks, in my opinion. Can, can he turn it on enough to be the net difference in this game? And I agree, he has to have a really solid ball game in this. And then you have Ellis. Ellis is nice. You know, one time he was really high on many people's radars, but he's fallen off some degree. But he hasn't fallen off off the radar as much as in terms of his game. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I also think you have to look yeah, at. Yeah, Monte Ellis. I mean, Monte takes bad shots. Everybody knows that he follows basketball. He knows he takes bad shots. He just can't take too many bad shots. He's a he's a volume shooter. He definitely takes bad shots. Do you think? But he sometimes takes, he just. As many bad shots as Josh? More. You know, and, and in the playoffs, he can't do that. And same with Josh. I mean, playoffs, you're playing the same team in the series repeatedly yeah. at least four times. If it goes seven, everybody knows you're I agree. Teams. And I think you to know, Josh's credit in terms of he hasn't taken as many voluminous bad shots uh, after the trade that many people were rightfully concerned of. He must continue that framework, and even less so now. But Rondo has to uh, be a good facilitator. Dirk has to play well. I need to pull up his stats. But one game in, in of the four Rockets games, he didn't play well at all. He, you he you see like why he's talking about re- he, uh, that he will retire. I was yeah, that, talking about that's my, that, that, was a, that was my next. Can he turn it on? That was my next point. The old veteran. Yeah. Wiley veteran. As was see, well, that's the question. Will he be? Will this series show that he's old, or will he be a veteran? Now, that's a good question. But you know the difference. See, uh, 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 you play well, you're, you're a veteran. Right, you play bad, you're old. Right. And in you playoff situations. you that wily veteran. Right. And you're in right. playoff situations, each team gets a gets a, an opportunity to run half-court sets and for, for Dirk to get his open spot. question as the coaches, you belabor that and get through that, and I couldn't hold this in, so I'm going to ask you. Okay. Coaching-wise, do you allow him to get his game off or do you play him as if he's still a veteran? Dirt. Dirt. That is a good question because you you got to pick your spots it's, oh. it's in the game. And you got to find out early, especially within the first four minutes of the game, is he – it's you know is his legs and all up on him and he's getting to his spots and getting getting shots. Not good looks. But getting a shot, and exactly. if he's getting a shot now, if he's getting a shot off, then yeah, it's you. You need to at uh, the next next time out, you need to make either player change or defensive change. 
Man, I love this time of the year. He's got a Dirk. When, when the game starts, he's being defended by Terrence Jones. He needs to take advantage of that because on the block or uh, out of the wing, whatever. He needs to get the ball yeah, against Terrence Jones. The block, he never has done to the ball that much. But that he's he, they've used him in situations where it's been a mismatch. When he's coming, when he's come off that baseline, it, it's, it's more of a mismatch between Dirk and Terrence Jones than it is Dirk and Josh Smith. I agree. So in order to for Dirk see if Dirk's got it going on for a game, got to be early. Got to get him started Which in the first quarter. What you said, see what he does early. Yeah. Because if he's struggling, he struggled sometimes in games against the Rockets this season, and the Mavs need him to. They, he can't do that. They're gonna win this series, which yeah. I don't think they're going to anyway. But that goes back to the point guard situation too. Rondo needs, needs to get in the ball in the right spots at the right there time. There you go. Right. Uh, Tyson Chandler needs to avoid foul trouble. Dwight Howard seems to be getting healthy at the, the games he played in April, so to get his rhythm back. And a healthy Dwight, healthy focus Dwight. Really I'm, opens I'm not, you know, Tyson Chandler is a good defensive big man, but yeah. Dwight's better if he's healthy and focused and locked in. So Chandler Parsons Ah, is, is, he finally uh, got to him. He's coming home. Rocket fans ready for him. To do what? We'll see. He's coming off. That's what I'm asking they that question. They're going to boo him. They're supposed to boo him. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, no I'm asking this question. That's on the serious side, what is he going to do? Is he going to be the channel that we that, that, that was here? I or is he going to be the channel that this season? I think season? he was struggling to do that with, with more. Is he going to walk the walk? I don't think he can do it. I think they were looking for him to do it, and I think the what's even more challenging for him to do it now is the fact that he is still injured to somebody, and that just so it makes it even harder for him to do that. So I don't think he's going to be able to walk this talk. The question for me is how much is he going to try to do it? Yeah, have have heat huh. check moments and take you know take shots out of rhythm, bad and, you know, shots. yeah. So we'll you know, and let's not forget this. James Harden needs to play well in the playoffs. Mm. He didn't play well against Blazers last year except for one game in that six-game series. It would be hard for me to believe that the way he's played all year long, and I think you make an excellent point, but it's hard for me to believe that it that his playoff jinx is really something of validity. I just think it happened. And he's played so well all year long, I'd be terribly surprised if he falls in that rabbit hole during this playoffs and yeah. can't be found. Now, that would that would be... Yeah, he wouldn't be able to escape it if he does that. Because if he if he, if he he has an, another bad series and the Rockets lose this first round... Team get blowed up? Grady. Yeah. Does the, does the team blow up? Oh. How easy it is to well, blow up the team. Huh? I guess you have to start looking at it. Well, I mean, but what, to your point, he becomes Tracy McGrady. Yeah, because he, he hadn't got past the first round. When it happens again, you know, especially with the Rockets. He obviously, he did it with, with the Thunder. Right. But then the NBA Finals, he he disappeared. Well, hell, he didn't play well last two rounds with the Thunder when they got to the got far in the well, uh, playoffs. So he was know. he was a ghost. Yeah. You know, well, he's so had those. But yeah, I'm flurries. expecting him. This would be his, his coming out party playoff wise. I think he's going wow. I think uh, Team USA World Championship experience last offseason has been a contributing factor toward his fantastic season this year for the Rockets. And he's carried the Rockets this year. Does he know? get the MVP? No. Nope. How close will the vote be? I think it'll be pretty close. You know, I think Steph's going to win, though. So you are calling Steph the MVP? 
He's, if I had a vote, I still vote for James Harden, but I think Steph's going to win. Okay, yourself. I, you I hope I hope you come off that that changed, bandwagon. You didn't make the playoffs, so you know. So yeah, you, have you, a you can't hang to, it. You, know. you can you can remove yourself from that. And, now. and that vote was due Thursday for the NBA writers, so that was after the season it ended. So they already knew he didn't make the playoffs. So your your vote would have been what? I probably would have still kept it. Wow, that's because that's, that's you're stubborn, Wildcat. See, wow. So, and he's probably not alone. He has some. Um, Westbrook will get some votes, but uh, yeah, he should get some votes. But, but you know, how can you? How many of that people thinking that playing? Go ahead, give me some more rationale for for your sticking with this man who didn't make the playoffs. I think what? Yeah. Go ahead, Wildcat. Go ahead. Tell the listeners. Let's frame this story. Okay. Now, um, looking at it from from my eyes, what I saw was a guy that said, "Okay, I'm accept." You know, responsibility. I'm put the team on my shoulders. I'm gonna carry them as far as I can carry them. I'm gonna get them as far as I can get them. And we make the, and and the goal is getting the playoffs. Right. You know whether I, that the uh, rank uh, makes it back before the end of the season or not doesn't matter. I'm gonna just put this on my shoulders and I'm gonna carry. It. I'm gonna just take it and just run with it. And teammates, you know, love you to death. But we all got to. We all in this together. But when it when it's nut cutting time, I'm gonna just take over and then we get it done. Let me see if I can move with you on this and see if I can ask some questions that may okay. frame this different. All right. Who on the Rockets is equivalent to Durant with the Thunder? You talking about for his teammates or MVP? Teammates. Ah. <sighs> Uh, that's a good question because Patrick Beverly would have been the point guard healthy. Uh, he didn't make it toward the end of the season. Then you lost, uh, you lost Dwight and you lost Demo. Uh, lost Dwight a lot, a lot during the season, pretty much like you did Durant. Right. So they balanced that. So that kind um, of balances out. Yeah. And um, so you have a guy that lost his big person. So yeah, he's making his key he's, player. He's, he's spinning the point to make you come to our side. Oh, oh they, no, no, they, 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 yeah. a little differently. Yeah. I, that's what's confusing yeah. to a lot of people out there well, it, is that I, I you just, have the I, Rockets who've lost a, a, yeah. a, a all star. Mm-hmm. Some people at one point MVP type caliber, definitely defensive player of the year has had that accolade. He's lost him. Harden has come far past where Westbrook was in terms of where he stood in the pantheon of these great players at this time right now. So he's surpassed that, and he's done it with less people. I mean, and this he's, is and lost he, he, missed, he missed less games in Westbrook. Yeah. And he found a way at the end of the season to put his team. And they got in the playoffs. Number two. With a better record than yes. your man. And not only in the playoffs, they didn't better – at the end of the day, they're number two seed. How do you rationalize and break that down between the two? That's what most listeners want to hear, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to either change or defend the framework that you are going with. I just liked what I saw out of Westbrook better than what I saw out of Harden on a night-in, night-out basis um, as far as a player. Um and, and, I want to say I appreciate that answer. You didn't go back down the rabbit hole and say this. You said I like what I saw. Night in more. and night out. Yeah. And with that, 
I'll Thank let you me. have. Okay. So, yeah, we can move on from that because what you saw is what you like. Yeah. All and right. I think there's nothing. I don't have to agree with that, but that's the frame you came with. Yeah. So all the other things that we dissected. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. So I, I can. Really okay. So we got um, free throw shooting for the Rockets. Obviously, three point shooting. They got to shoot yeah. well from three oh, pointer because yeah. they're gonna jack up a lot of them. They're gonna shoot yeah. at least thirty a game probably. Yeah, I think they'll do that. Um, now, will it be to their benefit? Because you know, some nights when they, when they exactly when they, 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 they fell in love with that, they by, they, and die by it sometimes, or they die by it four times. That's the key. They've gotten up to a twenty a twenty point lead and have lost it, you know, late and were struggling and trying to hold on. And I promise you, the <laughs> Doc, that's, it, it, and it's hard watching that. I, I, and I, I promise you, the Mavericks will play zone in this series, right? And they I should. So, as a, as a as a coach at some level when uh-huh. somebody has watched the game as much as you do, how do you go with that framework? Because most folks will say, I guess you damn if you do and if you don't. You get to the 20-point level, you did it because you were shooting the threes. Obviously, the statistics yeah. tell you at some point it's going to go away. But do you continue to do what you're doing or all of a sudden you change it? If you change it and something doesn't work, then people are going to say, well, why did you change what was working well? Well, if you don't change it and you say you come back to reality. And, that, and, that, and that's, that, that's the key. You, you, you got, as a coach, you can't fall in love like the players fall in love mm-hmm. in the middle of the game. You've got to, at least somebody on the, on, the, on the bench, on the staff, should at least be a, a voice of reason. Even if they don't mention it loud, just say, Coach, we've, we've missed 10. We've gone down to four, five possessions, and they should pull up and took three, and uh, they, they, nobody's gone to the gone to the to the to the to the bucket, and the lane is open. Either you know next uh, just, just that way you kind of wait to coach up. Now apparently, and this is where where this is where you come come to staff. If you don't have at least one person on staff that says, "Hey." We need to pull out of that. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, and I mean, I don't see it. Most people think it's, it's all about everybody's got to be in agreement. No, it doesn't. At some point, somebody with a, uh, with a mind of reasoning should speak up. Because if you don't, you're losing a game that you should. And in the playoffs, you don't have time to be, you know, to to be wait to be uh, going, waiting for the next game because you got to get that first game out of the way, and that's crucial. Because everybody has seen, you know, the fight back once you lose that first game. Yeah, you're going home to play, but it's not guaranteed. And what is the stat we could research it real, real quick? But I think the winner of game one of the series, seven-game series, is won like 70% of the time, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So tonight, tonight, game one is key. That's interesting because usually the better team is going to win, period. So it makes sense that they win game one. One, yeah. <laughs> And and you put yourself in a position in a position now to like ride this out during the, through the playoffs, you know, in the number two seat. Right. Well, now you, now it turns into a six game series. Yeah. And you cheated off the first one, but I'm saying, generally speaking, yeah, the best yeah. team happens to be the home team that have a better record, and theoretically, they're gonna be the best team. So the best team usually wins. So it makes sense, some high level of percentage that they're gonna win the series. Y'all ready to make prediction? Sure. First round. I'm, I've. I'll go first if you don't mind, gentlemen. Okay. Yes. I. I am not as confident in the number of games 
as I was. And I first thought about this a few days ago, but I'm going to stick with it. Okay. I'm picking the Rockets to win the series in five games. I'm not picking games. I'm just. I'm picking. Come on, man! This is a KG fifth with Wildcat and Doc podcast. We pick games on. We have stones. We we're not afraid to speak our mind and share our thoughts with the listeners. Mm, I'm gonna say six, and the Rockets will win. So you got Rockets in six. I'm gonna go seven. Rockets in seven. Okay, and let me just throw this out there. I got this. I can't see them winning uh, two games. Game six in Dallas? Yeah. Dirk Nowitzki shot better each game against the Rockets. He was 22% in the first time they met, 36 in the second one, 46 in the third, and 64% in the fourth. That's not good. The last two I believe teams, they them will last, win them one them game last. in Dallas, but I also think Houston will win one game here. And so when they balance them out, I can't see them winning – the second game in Dallas, which in my opinion would be six, and so I think it's going to go seven. Man, five. Rock- those, la- those last two stats now bother me. Rockets. I'm, aver- I'm gonna be honest with Rockets you. Rockets average twenty three point three fast break points in the four games against the Mavericks, and he still sucks. their highest against any opponent. And he and Dirk still shot above fifty percent both of the last two games. Forty six in the third meeting, sixty four in the fourth meeting. Rockets won three of the four meetings. Over the last three meetings in the series, four games now, in the now series. Now, when I look at numbers, I look at those. The Mavs were a minus 11 in the 70 minutes with Rondo on the floor and a plus 10 when he was on the bench. Wow. Yeah, that's in the four games, the three games that he played against Some the Rockets. Good numbers there. Still going to yeah. go with my yeah. Rockets and seven. Yeah, when I look at numbers, I look at those. You still yeah. staying with six? Yeah. yeah. Five. Like I said, I'm not as strong as it was a few days ago. I'm going to stick with five. I'm not going to change. I'm going to stick with five. Rockets in five. Maybe five closed games, but yeah. Rockets in five. So if Now, I am looking for, for a closed game. I'm, looking for, I'm not looking for no blowouts in this situation at all, in this one. Well, even if it happens once or twice, it's just one game. Yeah. You know, the fans will fall off a cliff and say, oh, my <laughs> gosh, we lost by 30. It's just one game. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. So, so what? So for all those listeners out there on the podcast who think I'm a hater of the Rockets, KG picked the Rockets in five. So I probably have some negativity to say if they somehow lost the series because you're jinx. So I can't win either way, but that's all right. I'm picking. I'm on record. Rockets in five. So are we going to pick some of the other series? We can. We can. We, can. Uh, we already have we one have result that uh, Wizards beat uh, Toronto today, 93-86 in game one of that series. It's tough. I'm still going to go with Toronto. So, uh, let's see. Let's go with the East first. Eastern Conference. One seed, one eight matchup, Atlanta versus Boston. Prediction? Atlanta. Yeah. How many games? Now, I'll say five. Yeah. Do you want to talk about? Uh, I'll talk. I'll five. say five. No, 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 no. Do you want to talk about uh, the police NYPD breaking Seth Lewis's leg at all? You, you we'll know talk what? About that? That, that's an interesting situation because every day is something else. New coming out with that with that situation. Um, uh, Doc just started shaking his head. Every but you, and I, I understand <laughs> where Doc coming from because it bothers me that you are out that late with 
fiance, girlfriend, or whatever. Well, that's Chris Coleman. Club. That's with the Pacers. That's not that's not Tabo in in uh, Paris. But I'm talking about as a pro or as a professional athlete collecting a check. It's but and, that's and silly. It's different though. That's NBA silly. players is different. That's, that's I have the right to be out. And then I'm, gr- I'm, I'm a grown man. But at, 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 if four o'clock in the morning is it is, is, is it better at three? Is it better at two? Does it make, I, I would. Yeah, I, 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 it's just because you like to go home and be in bed at a decent hour doesn't mean everybody else has. They're still young people and professionals. The question is, is how do you handle yourself? And that's it, it, it's, it's, and that's my point. So you should. I don't. I don't like to answer I, in terms of where you at a certain. But it just bothers me, though. It's, it's, right, but you're not them. Let them be them. You can't put your that's a framework. That's on a consistent cop out, though. Yes, saying bad things happen at four o'clock. Well, no, fact, it's, well, it's, folks, some folks get up and go to work at no, four o'clock in the morning. So you gonna tell me people shouldn't work? No, this all my my. I know, you just the, want to protect everybody. No, no, the thing is, no, my mindset is the officer. That, that, my that, question that. is, is was the officer wrong? Yes. Yeah. Let's get to that point. Yeah. That's my mind. Yeah. Was he wrong? Four yeah. o'clock because Can we look at that. Because as yeah. we as we've seen, instead of finding a way to blame, some somebody, officers shoot you in broad daylight. So they yeah. make it four o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the afternoon in broad daylight. Period. Oh yeah. That that's just gonna be. So yeah, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the crust of the. At the end of the day, that's it's, gonna it's gonna boil down. It's to. two different issues. See, initially the police said that Tabo was part of the Chris Copeland wife friend stabbing incident. Yeah, it wasn't even it, it wasn't it was not the same incident that they came out like the, the next day. That's what I'm saying. It, it's so that's every day two different. Uh, they were not involved in that at all. Right. So we have to find out why the police were even around the two of them. Tabo and his teammate to begin with. That's that's the point of it. You don't like seeing, and we have found out it's not beneath the police True. to write yeah. a story that it benefits their interests or drop evidence after the fact or different things of that sort too. Yeah, it's an ugly world out there, folks. It's, it's an ugly world. Oh, it's some bad. And I, w- I wasn't going to go as far as say they lie. I'm just going to say they frame things yeah. that support. The direction they would like. There are, there are, they see you know, from. there are, some there are, there are bad honest. cops. They're yeah. bad teachers. We know they're good and bad in everybody. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't, you know, those folks who say, well, you know, I believe the police because the police don't lie. Where, what, what are you, you know, from a yeah. rainbow? What, I mean, what everybody myth do you lies. follow? You know, yeah. everybody has flaws. Right. Okay. You got Hawks in what? Five. five. I'll go with five. Might as well Hawks, you know. Yeah, Hawks and five. We won't get interested with the Hawks until a little mo- later. Second round? I'm saying they'll find a way to get it done even in the second round. I think I meant it. Semifinals. When it gets I, Hawks the finals. This is Hawks versus Brooklyn. I might have said Boston. I meant Brooklyn. Hawks versus Brooklyn. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's still yeah. fine. I, re- I realize it's Yeah. It's still fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same here. Brooklyn I, has, I, you know, I was, they do have some weapons. In my head, know. I was Brooklyn. So. Yeah. Okay. Two C Cleveland versus Boston. That's where I got the other one from. That's a sweep, right? Yeah. Cavs in four. Yes. Doc. Five. Chicago three C versus six C Milwaukee. LeBron does a sweep a lot of things. Okay. The banged up Bulls versus the not as not as banged up Bucks. 
Go with the Bulls. How many? Six. Yeah. Six games. All right. Well, we got – you already said you're picking the Raptors in this 4-5 matchup for Toronto versus 5-seed Wizards. Okay, we got the Wizards one game one in Toronto. Yes. You gonna I had that originally, right, so, so I'm gonna, not going to – Okay. Back out. And, yeah, if I'd have, I'd have, still, I'd have picked the Raptors, I'm going not going to change. So I'll, I'm going to stick with 7-2. So Raptors in 7, today kind of hurt me a little bit. But, yes, you know, it did. Hurt me too. We're not we the North, so we are the South. So, all right. <laughs> Uh, Western Conference Warriors are apparently showing the young upstart Pelicans what the playoff basketball is all, all about so far. After that first quarter, I saw a score was 20-13 after one. I think that's what I saw. <laughs> so, Golden State versus New Orleans. Four. I'm going to go Golden, Golden State. State. I'm going to go five. I'm gonna, Pelicans going to find a way to really get one. I think it's going to be the first one at home. Uh, I agree with your logic. But I'm still going to pick Golden State in four. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. I mean, they're playing some great basketball. Clippers and Spurs, three versus six. That's a, this is a fascinating now, game. It's going seven. It's just a question who's going to win in seven. <laughs> That's my opinion. It's going seven. I'm going to choose going seven. Yeah. Because I think that I think I think that'll I, be the only fight that Clippers only, have on the court. So, yeah, in, I think, in, in the whole uh, playoffs in this first round. I that, think that, Clippers really days. need this bad. Oh. Oh, you talking about that. Possibly blowing, blowing up a team, and I uh, think yeah, that's yeah. going to be the difference in terms of them winning the series. Because Chris seven. Paul, Chris Paul needs to play well in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's going to go seven, and we, it's really going to stun the Spurs because I think they're playing some big basketball. But I think I'm going to go with the fact that the Clippers need it just a little more. I'm, I'm going with that. I'm going with young legs. I think the Spurs will, will become old before our very eyes in Game Seven. And Chris Paul will play well because who's going farther in the playoffs, Chris Paul or Carmelo Anthony? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. That's Seriously. true. Who has? <laughs> who's going farther in the playoffs? Uh, Neither Carmelo. one. Exactly. Carmelo made the Western Conference final with the Nuggets. That's right. Chris Paul has not got past the second round. Second round. <laughs> so it's time for him to get it done. Put it on his Batman cape. Or he, he knows nobody. Or he'll be Cliff. Well. Until he gets out, until he he'll be Cliff Paul. <laughs> That's beautiful. He'll be Cliff. Well, okay, so we got Clippers in seven. Put up the briefcase, baby. Yeah, you got Clippers in seven. Yeah, all three of us. Okay, and then wow. the the injury prone matchup: four Portland versus five Grizzlies. Even though Grizzlies have better records, so they have home court. I'm looking for the Grizzlies to win that in six. Uh, is the is, what's the point guard's name? He slipped my Mike Conley for the Grizzlies. Yeah, is Conley back? He's banged up. He's banged up. Uh, I'm not sure if he's playing or not. I don't know if he's, well, I've heard if he's cleared. I'm not sure. Right. So I'm going to lean that even if he plays, he won't play at the level he needs to play for Grizzlies to get off and do what they need to do. So I'm going to go with the edge of Portland. That home crowd series, both teams have okay, very – Like I said, Grizzlies have a home court. Right. But I'm, that's what I'm saying. But I think okay. you can beat Grizzlies okay. in Memphis. I think it's just a little tougher to so you beat got, Portland. Yeah. So you got Blazers in how many? That means that's six. Okay. So I'm, be playing in their home I, I will I will go with that as well. I'll, Blazers in six. They'll get one in Memphis. And I'm going to stop right there because we'll have another podcast before the first round ends. Yeah. It takes like a month for the first round yeah, end anyway. So, yeah. you know. Let's see what comes out. That's the fun part. Let's see what comes out of these matchups so we're not – 
hell to anything else. All right, Doc, you saw your first Women's Final Four yeah. in person. What were your thoughts? Man, it's masterful. You know, all the things that I tell you about the NCAA, that I don't necessarily agree with them, but one thing they know how to do is they know how to put together a party. You know, better term they use as an event, a major event, and they do it really well. Uh, the fan experience was second to none. I really could appreciate that. Kudos for the city of Tampa. I think they know how to put an event together, which helps the NCAA in terms of putting a Final Four, specifically a women's Final Four. Buses ran for fans as well as the media. Back and forth from the the several hotels that were part of the package. Um, Also today, Arena is really nice. Obviously, professional team play there for the hockey as uh, they're in the middle of the playoffs too in terms of the Tampa Lightning. And so that's some interesting framework. Oh, against my Red Wings? Go Red Wings? <laughs> yeah. In this case, I'm a Red Wings fan too. So for our Tampa listeners out there, uh, I hate to say that for y'all, but uh, Red Wings, good friend, taught me very early that I needed to be a Detroit Red Wings fan. Uh, it's, good. it's a good friend. Yeah. Smart man. <laughs> <laughs> so I've won more than my share in terms of title tail, as they call it there for the Red Wings. But from that framework, I thought it was great. It was magnificent, uh, the way they rolled it out for the coaches. It really gives me a different framework when I come back and look at the uh, SWAC uh, in terms of what they do. Obviously, there's a huge matchup there, and financially, you shouldn't be there. But there are little things that I can see that need to be done uh, from that framework. And with that being said, I had the chance to go to CIAA. If I had to kind of layer it, uh-huh. I would say the CIAA is much closer to the NCAA, even as a Division two. Uh, conference, obviously made up of HBCU athletic programs, than the SWAC is to the CIAA or the SIEC uh, in that component and from everything I've seen in the MEAC as well. So it's just interesting for me, the gap between the CIAA and the rest of the conference. And just to kind of frame it in such a way is Mm -hmm. how people are still not happy about CIAA because it was even bigger than that before than what we see now because so much of it is about the day party so people are frustrating to some degree about the fan base but I think the CIAA is second to none in terms of what they are able to do particularly when you look at a framework of African Americans following basketball Mm -hmm. as a league in sports particular uh, sports in any level, you know, our fandom is a little different than right. the general uh, population in terms of how we spend dollars in accordance. That doesn't mean that we're not as avid fans just in terms of spending dollars. And some of that may be, as we see social economic speaking, we don't have those dollars. To give you some contextuality <laughs> to that, but that, don't want to go too far off that cliff. Yeah, to finish it up, NCA uh, in terms of women's final four, amazing. And even more so, <laughs> UConn, Huskies, uh, on the women's side, just amazing of what they are able to do, the talent, how they play basketball together, um, just the championship pedigree and the run that they have. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they believe in their program. <laughs> they, their expectations are there. And I was going to be say something positive about Notre Dame, and I will continue it in terms of being able to reach that plateau five years, even though they couldn't bring home the trophy. And a lot of that had to do more with UConn than themselves. Mm-hmm. But I was a little disappointed with Muffet McGraw in terms of the head coach and what she had to say in terms of supporting 
and quote unquote the college athlete, what they like to reframe as student athlete. Right. Thank you very much for that that segue, sir. Very disappointing. But in uh, which let's get right into that because we'll get back to um, a few other things about the dominance of UConn. We'll come back to that in just a few moments. But what what Doc is is referring to uh, last Tuesday, the gallery. I think it was a day after having something to say. Monday, see right. Wednesday, Jewel Lloyd, Notre Dame junior, announced her decision to declare for the 2015 WNBA draft. I think it was the day before the deadline, or maybe the day of the deadline to de- for underclassmen to declare. And yes, women's college basketball players can declare for the draft if they had turned 22 in the calendar year of that particular draft internationally players. International players, I think you have to be 19. Apparently, and this is according to columnist ESPNW columnist Kate Fagan, who was my buddy, my partner at uh, Mock Selection a few years ago. Hmm. Kudos to Kate for this article. Notre Dame players and head coach Muff McGraw weren't too thrilled with Jewel Lloyd's decision to uh, declare for the draft and not return to Notre Dame for a senior season. Quote from Wildcats friend Skylar Diggins. This is a tweet from Skylar. The four years I spent as a student athlete at Notre Dame were the best years of my life. That was retweeted by a Notre Dame alum, She's Kayla still a McBride. Person, but I was so disappointed. Kayla McBride retweeted that. But the kicker is disappointing. From Martha McGraw, this statement quote: so "These are quotes from Coach McGraw. I don't know of anyone that thought it, it as in Jules' decision, was a good idea." Yet, she wanted to go on with it. I think it's really bad decisions for women, especially to try to leave early. They're not making the money that the men make. They're going to make less than $50,000 in the league. To get your degree, especially from a school like Notre Dame, it's just mind-boggling that anybody would choose to leave early. End quote. Now, I'm going to ask this question. Who made that statement earlier a years ago? When the one and done first got started and now has adapted to it. Coach K? Probably I Coach rest K. my case. Not not in not in terms of the money. No. But it was an issue. It was something that he he couldn't grasp his mentally grasped around it at first. Now it's an acceptance across the board as far as players coming in, you know, getting things done what they need to get done in the classroom, but Excelling what they uh, athletically and moving on is happening every day. One coach that we saw this year that had an issue with it didn't get his time was uh, the coach at Wisconsin, Bo Ryan. You two, that's two different issues. Go ahead. Saying this so nicely, <laughs> Doc. But I tried. I tried. I tried, Doc. I tried. If this is not, I tried. The most selfish. Commentary I've ever heard from an individual that is part of the machine that exploits college athletes. Well, you saw him. You saw him up close. You she saw is making a million dollars. At least. At least. And she does not want to allow somebody else to make money on their own because she wants to further exploit them. Because they don't get a dime in terms of cash value 
that they can put in a savings account Man. or a money market account. They don't get a dime from that. That's true. And it's pure exploitation at its worst. And what's worse than that is that she was selfish. That is a selfish statement to say that I would want you here so you can help me continue to make my million dollars so you can't make your own. Now, that is selfish. Let me add to that. That is folks. selfish. The other part of that that Doc did mention that I was going that I'm gonna bring up now. The reason, the other reason that mentally that happens in a coach's mind is I don't have a replacement on campus, which is selfish. So you glossing over this in terms no, of coach I'm just, speak. I'm just no, no, we need to stop playing this game because we hurting young people. We are hurting young people because not enough people will call these coaches out and it's vagrant and disruptive machine the NCA in terms of them saying that everybody everybody can make money except for the individuals that we're going to watch that is exploited but it's one thing to be exploitive about a group but it's another thing to be self-righteous and to be selfish to the point that you will degrade uh, individuals personal feelings in terms of what they want to do for themselves as if a kid does not have enough sense that they can go back to college and that's the point right that is there. stupid that is self-righteous and that is selfish and self-serving something that as a coach you try to tell your students not to be yep it's all about but you're team. not even showing it yourself amen Anything else to add to that? Oh, yes. I'm going to just... I'm, 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 I'm it's different, but for a few things, average salary in WNBA is roughly $70,000. So even her statement of 50 was wrong. But um, still, the point still made. There's no but, but it was wrong. It was, it was wrong. wrong. And stop protecting the, these folks that don't need protection. The top players can make 100 plus thousand in the WNBA. So she was wrong there twice. So even the numbers were wrong. So, as Doc said, Jewel can go back and get her degree. Not a problem. Jewel will make more money in the offs in the international season this fall than she's making the WNBA. Trust and believe that. So, she's getting her money sooner than the rest of them. It's not Jewel Lloyd's fault that she maybe the light bulb came on in her head. She may not have realized that at 22 she could turn pro and go, you know, leave Notre Dame after her junior season until somebody spoke to who knows. But she realized she could do it. And oh, by the way, she was the top overall pick in the 2015 WNBA draft. Yep. So that's another volley that she has back to Muffin McGraw and Scarlett Diggins, and Kaylee McBride. So she got the top pick. Scott Diggins was not, not number one pick. No. Okay. So she can probably get, because of that part, she can probably get a little bit more cheddar from her team overseas. So it's a great business decision for Jewel Lloyd. Seattle Storm got a great player, a very talented player. And Jewel Lloyd also knew she wasn't going to be the number one pick in the 2016 draft because of UConn's Breonna Stewart. So she got... Number one pick in 2015, she'll get more money sooner. She wouldn't have been the first pick in 2016. So business-wise, it's like a no-brainer to me 
for her to leave early. So God bless her. And any business person will tell you, business decision better is money to get now? your money today is worth more today than it is tomorrow. Yep. 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 So we'll we'll see. You There's know, one last part that I want to add to this, ahead. just from a apprentice perspective. The NCA mandates that coaches can only spend twenty hours a week with their college athletes. Okay. Now there's a reason why they did that is because many of these coaches are selfish, and while they're supposed to allow students to go to class, if they didn't have that rule in place, you would imagine what they would do in terms of what they see as important. We see this from a statement like this, from this framework, right? But if you had an opportunity and you were a chef, one of the top world-renowned chefs happened to see you one of these television series if we'd have it just to formulate this in such a way that it's palatable for this story so you can see the connotation and he sees something about this individual and says I really think you're talented you can continue to go to culinary school now we'll pay that but you can't make any money while you're in culinary school. You go to this culinary school, we'll pay for that. But you can't make any money in there. Or, this world-renowned chef says, hey, won't you come work with me? You get a ch chance to work endlessly. There's no framework in terms of what kind of money you can make outside when you're working with this chef. There's no framework of how long you can work each day or a week with this chef. And again, you're working with the best chef in the business at the highest professional level. In terms of apprenticeship, which one really makes more sense? Working with the chef on the number one level. That's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. So the other thing that tell, happens too. Why do we tell young people that they shouldn't do that? And, and let me follow up. Thanks uh, to uh, ESPNW's Michelle Vopel, who was one of the outstanding writers of women's sports in the country. So she has a few more quotes and even has a quote from Dua Lloyd after she was drafted number one by Seattle. Her, get a, her initial thoughts on uh, Muff McGraw's reactions. And Jules says, quote, everything kind of heals with time. It will be all right. It was different. Women's players haven't done this much before. Michelle Vopel hinted at the possibility that one of uh, the reasons for Coach McGraw's strong reaction of disappointment or shamefulness, as as Doc stated, was, was the timing of it and that Jules didn't tell her sooner to give her a chance to maybe recruit someone to replace her, etc. Possibly. Whatever. Selfish. So that is also a case, you know, but it's, it seems clear from the article that Jewel Lloyd and her family thought about this a lot longer than I was given, you know, Jewel credit for it. So kudos to them. So because uh, she has an older brother who plays professional overseas. So 
I'm sure he talked to her about oh, yeah. getting money overseas, getting it soon. But here's something interesting, Wildcat. Doc. Quotes from Don Staley. Wow. What did she have to say? I think it was a great move for Jewel Lloyd. I think you're going to see, see a little bit more. Players are getting a lot better, and they want their dreams to come true sooner. End quote. They got a place to go to now. They didn't have they didn't have that opportunity before. Chanae Ogumake said both of Jewel Lloyd and don't forget I don't want to leave her out. Amanda Zowie B, Minnesota, also declared early for the draft. She went, I believe, uh, second. Yeah. So, no, no, is that right? We we'll have to look it up. Where did, where did she go? Second. Let's yeah. see. Get that right before I go into it, because I want to read you this quote from uh, yeah, second to Tulsa. And then Kalina Mosqueda Lewis from UConn went third too. So Kalina and Julio are to be teammates in Seattle. Nice. But quote from Cheney from the H Town area, mm-hmm. as we all know, of uh, Amanda and Jewel's decision to turn pro. They're just seizing the moment. We're learning a lot about branding at a younger age. I think they are very smart for doing this. Because they're going to be very big franchise players. End quote. Doc? I agree wholeheartedly. I just broke down two different frameworks that I see. One from the side of the coaches and the NCAA being selfish that they want all the monetary value. They don't want to hardly share any of it. They took them forever and threatened by lawsuits where they would even share it in terms of a stipend. Uh, Although I believe that they should allow the free market system to take care of itself. And then the second part that I talked about in terms of a business framework, apprenticeship or professional, where you can train fully on the craft that you tend to be, uh, which does not preclude you from doing other things, which could include earning certificates, earning degrees. It doesn't stop any of that. And if you're in a position that you have to pay for it, so be it. Most of these schools actually still allow the students to come back and earn a degree without them paying for it themselves so that framework doesn't start because it it looks good in terms of the university branding that students come back in to get their degrees and also is a secondary as some people would say firstary if not tertiary and framework is the fact that the APR is increased from delayed graduation points when a student come back and earns their degree so I've showed you both components where and unless you are just, in a lot of ways, anti-American, in my opinion, in terms of capitalistic system that we work in and believe in true capitalism, I can't see why you would suggest any other way unless you are just selfish yourself and want people to stay with your team such that they can win out of the expense of them being able to take care of their own self. That's the only thing I can see. Thoughts on Duke men winning Coach K's fifth national championship. Second trip to Houston Regionals, second championship. Last, what, five years? Yep. I think the the team was set up this year to to grow at the beginning of the season. Um, that was a question mark. Too many freshmen were involved in, in, the, uh, uh, in, the, in the minutes. But it proved otherwise that there was a helpmate toward the end of the season when they got when 
the conference play started, uh, conference tournament started, the team went, got on a roll and built on it. Uh, it wasn't just about uh, Okafor being the, the being the one the one star player because as we saw when he got here to the regional, uh, he was not the, the go to guy at the end of the game. He was involved, but he wasn't a go to guy. The go to guy at the end of the game was Justice Winlow and Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, two kids from Texas, where they refer to us still refer to us. On some levels, it's a football state. No, we're still a football state. Oh, no, we just happen to be a football state that has real good basketball, basketball going players, on too. So some people might say we both a football and basketball <laughs> state. But it's, it's, it's a couple of folks, Doc, trust me. I hear Matt, Matt Jones from Texas. Matt Jones. Matt no. Jones from – he's a kid from Texas. Tyus, okay. Dallas area, right? Yeah, Matt Jones from Dallas. That's why we don't really claim him because he's from the Dallas area. But uh, it's still Texas. <laughs> oh man! Now you really want Dallas in Texas? <laughs> so South Fork is just, just just something that was just it's, it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of Texas. Okay. Push it out to Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, but it's, 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 I, I like what I saw about that team. I love Dallas women. Hey, don't we all to a certain extent? I'll, I'll remain to the <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, but uh, as we all saw, you know, when they got here to the regionals, everybody picked up the, uh, the baton at some point during the game and, you know, kept Duke rolling. And when it's, it's when. Well, let's you, talk about the officiating as well. Specifically, the replays. Where they missed a ball that was clearly off of Justice's fingers. No, no. The one play that they missed that everybody still talks about, and somebody's going to mention about uh, redoing, you know, in camp this summer, was the inline situation with Justice's foot was on the on the baseline. Right, but that that wasn't f- for review. The ball that was off Justice's fingers, the officials went to the monitor, and according to the officials, they did not see the replays that the rest of us saw. And so then a couple days later, a different story came out. So I'm not sure what really happens on that, but they need to get that fixed. They make Because it was clear on the replays that everybody, but apparently the referee saw now, that the ball went off just his fingers. I did ask this question um, to somebody that, that hounds that. They don't have all cameras set up for... Every camera in the building set up for a view. That's what the head officer said. <laughs> and that is why they didn't see what we saw. But Mr. M- Mr. Gavitt said differently that they did. So somebody's I, not distracting no, the truth. It's, it's, and I, it's, and the, reason, <laughs> the reason they it's, that's, it's set up that way is because all arenas are not set up for replay. All arenas don't do, re, uh, uh, you know, all college games on a Division One level. So you uh, want uh, me to believe in the national championship game? It was the fall of the arena not be set. Well, be it's, set it's, up well, if if you don't if you don't set up every camera in the building for for replay, like they're doing in the NFL. So I ask you again. So you want me to believe that this is the national championship? And game it wasn't. And, and every camera in the building wasn't set up for replay. I can tell you that for sure. I can I can honestly say that. And no matter what he said to get out of that, I know for a fact every camera in the arena was not set up for a replay. Cause they just don't do it. 
They just don't. And they could, but they don't. And that's talking from the TV side, the production truck t- side, and a facility situation. You're going to have me go off again. This time it's going to be. You, you can be go off all you want to. Listen to me. You, you, I, can, I can listen, listen to you all day, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm not disagreeing with you what you said because you said I'm telling you what I know. So since you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going with you. Okay. But I said I'm going to go off. All I'm right. I'm going to go off like Bill Belichick. This time it's going to be on the NCAA again. All right. He said, we got all this money. And you'll tell me and we won't spend it. We ain't spending it. You ain't spending it. Cameras on because we can't afford it? No, you're not spending it. It's not that you can't afford it. You're just not spending it. Exactly. My point again. You're not spending it. Anything else? Oh, and yeah. I'm referencing the fact yeah. that Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. He had a right to them saying that they were not going to set up sideline ca- And uh, I think that's a camera. Not because they didn't think it was necessarily to get the right call. They said that they didn't want to spend that additional money. And there you go. The camera. And that's the point. Which I'm like Bill Belichick of all things that I often disagree with him. He was, I was right. glad to it, see. He was he right. Went what off he and did. said, y'all are some fools, essentially. And they can do that. They they can set up cameras everywhere. They got a sky cam. They got drones working. No, yeah, I agree with all y'all. But shift gears is going to bring it locally again. A few things here. Uh, Walk and I have our thoughts on the U of H men announced. The four young men will be joining the men's basketball program. Kyle Meyer, Chris Harris from Madison High School. HISD, not that other Madison over there in San Antonio. <clears throat> or Dallas. Or Dallas. Rob Gray. And then the fourth, last, and not least, because this young man, his presence on the squad is going to bring much, much scrutiny from the local, state, and national media as long as he's part of the program. Damian Dotson. Damian Dotson was at Oregon, was investigated for a sexual assault while at Oregon uh, two years ago, right? Two years ago? Yeah. Was dismissed from Oregon, didn't play last year anywhere, Uh, spent time in John Lucas's aftercare care program, and then um, went went to HCC as well to get his life in order. But the fact that he is now a University of Houston Cougar, Wildcat, what are your thoughts? A lot went into thought pattern um, of first as uh, Coach Sampson being approached, uh, and then <laughs> and then uh, the process about how you go about resolving that. And guaranteeing that that doesn't happen again. Hopefully, with him being back home with family, playing basketball at University of Houston, that mentally he's resolved his issues. Because in the court of public opinion, that's going to still hang long, uh, large. That cloud will hang over his head. For here to eternity, absolutely, it, it just will. And the other thing that has to happen with him personally, college students are rough. 
We've all been at games when things are said in a crowd, in an arena directed at one particular player. He will be heckled ruthlessly. Can, can he mentally overcome that and keep his focus out on the floor? That's my question. That's that. That's the question he has to answer for me. Yeah, as, as a fan, a, as a coach, and then as an administrator. I think that's a valid question. And I think that's, in my opinion, one of the least frame questions of the framework that he has to deal with. Obviously, that's important in terms of what goes on for the game. But in terms of what we've seen lately with individuals um, that get themselves in this type of trouble uh, where they end up behind bars, Mm-hmm. Um, for severe sentences, ultimately what we've seen now from a couple of people, basically mm-hmm. life behind bars. I think that's more important framework. So there's two ways that I see this, uh, and both of them are tough because I think he um, should be uh, questioned until it's resolved and it's clear what took place. I think uh, also individuals um, deserve an opportunity for a second chance in most cases. So I think in both cases here, these just point for the time that you're going to have to deal with those issues from that. But not let's not kid ourselves. As part of this process, there may be some people that really want to see rehabilitation, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. But it's also the fact that this individual has some skill sets that would be an asset to this program. So a lot of that also has to do with the fact that this is a program that wants to move mm-hmm. its program to the limelight in such a way that it wins. And in this uh, atmosphere, and as you ascend in a lot of ways, you're going to have to take some calculated risks to do that. And at the end of the day, this is essentially a risk. And you just have to believe if you're on that side of the fence that you've checked as much as you can, um, that the risk is worth the reward in terms of where you want to go to the program. And so that's just the framework that I see this. As a member over here at Texas Southern University on the faculty side, we haven't necessarily taken risks with students that have dealt with this particular criminal allegations that were taking place, mm-hmm. but had some other difficult circumstances and we've decided to do that but part of that is let's not sugarcoat this in any way it's the fact that athletics uh, whether it's at the professional level or the collegiate level some people may see even now in the secondary in the scholastic level is essentially a business and in business you take calculated risk and you have to live with those decisions that you make We'll get a chance to see this play out, and we'll be able to either come back and say, we told you, either from a positive perspective, or we'll get to say we told you from a negative perspective. And a few things I want to give is a great, much information in at the Chronicle uh, website, written by uh, John, Joseph Duarte, our colleague, his quotes from Mac Rhodes, Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson says, this decision w- was made with a lot of thought. 
we feel like ultimately this is a kid that's that's worth investing in. We think he's a good person. Some sometimes good people make mistakes. His mistakes are obviously different, and I don't take them lightly. I have a wife and daughter. This is something we really had to think about. End quote from Kelvin Sampson. Now the Cougars. I would love to go in the framework because they say that, and I think that's true. And I don't think we'd ever really get to play out. But I would really be intrigued in terms of what are those thoughts of an individual. Particularly from my position of not having to be, never going through that. And then just would imagine. I mean, and let's, let's, let's put it all on the table. We get to do this on our podcast. We've seen circumstances where all of us have sisters or mothers. Some of us even daughters in mm-hmm. terms of the framework. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the very ugly situations yep. with women that go all the way from them not being able to obtain jobs and get the dollar for dollar they should amount. And these are also in line with eth- ethnic frameworks as well. Mm-hmm. But we also have seen cases where we've seen adjudicated uh, inside and outside the courtroom where we've seen injustices by women stating circumstances that took place and finding out that they did not exist. That's what I like. It's exactly. So this is becoming a very difficult decision to make uh, in terms of that. And you can never, in a lot of these cases, get all the information to be so comfortable with your decision in terms of what's going on. So at some point, you have to read and take it all in and really just talk to the individual and kind of go in a lot of ways with a gut feeling. So that's why I framed it uh, that I'm not necessarily on one side or the other because I've seen the gamut of what takes place here. And I am a general person that says people need second chances, but I'm also very understanding that just because individuals are charged with certain things do not necessarily mean that they're guilty. And as I frame this country, even though oftentimes it's not played out in the media in this way, nor in the courts or something, I still of the basic premise that you're innocent until proven guilty. And even if you're proven guilty, that doesn't mean that we should totally throw away the train because our prisons are too filled with individuals that if we do not find a way to get them back integrated into society, all they're going to do is find a way that crit- commit criminal acts that put them back in prison that doesn't hurt, doesn't help them, nor doesn't hurt, help the individual, I should say, that they commit the crime again. So we need to really look at this framework uh, bigger than what we do in terms of just a sporting nomenclature, if you would allow me to put that on the table. And let me be clear for listeners who are wondering, uh, Damien was, he wasn't, he was never charged and the investigation in Oregon was dropped due to lack of evidence. So let's add that for the dis- full disclosure, as we do on our podcast. We're going to give you as Absolutely. much information as possible for the situation. Now, Damien will con- continue receiving counseling uh, with Coach Lucas, and there's some in discussions, talks with uh, the local women's center as well for him to attend those as well. And some of that, some of the information will never go public. But he is, from what Joseph Duarte was able to obtain, is that he will continue counseling and treatments 
to uh, help him uh, hopefully avoid any future problems such as what he had in Oregon. So, but from a basketball standpoint, I've already had one alum tell me, KG, he ain't that good for us to go through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. You know, and I was told, you know, this this same alum said, are we this desperate? So that 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 mentality is already seeping through. If if the Cougars are so desperate that they are willing to sign somebody with well, let a me, checkered history. Let me ask this question then. Did the alumnus felt like the team is headed in the right direction, but making a, a fast pitch approach to it by this addition, did he think that was too quick then? You know, to, to no, he just said the framework that he doesn't believe that you can have to build a program in this. But I would okay. like to tell right. him on this podcast that we, as a, as a nation, in a, and it's coming to a point where it's worldwide, that if you're involved with sports, we are all this desperate. We've seen it play out time and time again at every level. So let's not surprise, let's not keep this a secret any longer. We are all this desperate to some degree uh, in terms of the need to win. And it doesn't escape any program. This just happens to be sitting on our doorstep right here in our backyards at the University of Houston. So to answer this question, coming from me, uh, obviously not a U of H alum, but just somebody that follows sports in general, I can answer unequivocally, yes, we all is desperate. And I will Period. Say, and let me add this, you know, I heard, I mean, because Cougars were initially considering bringing Damien in last season towards Simpson's, you know, first year. Too early. That it, yeah, it was too early. And too they early. agreed on that. Too early. But uh, a month ago, I heard about this, about U of H possibly signing Damien. I was taken aback because it wasn't because so much of the Oregon stuff, but that is a key, a key factor. I just don't think he's that great of a ball player. Right, and maybe not. To go along with, which could, with the bench. Which could be more from the framework that, let's not forget, that Coach Sampson has had his own issues. Exactly. Not in terms of this Regis, but you don't know what kind of role that plays on the individual and says that I had to deal with my own quote-unquote Mr. And this gives me an opportunity to maybe pay it forward. And I'm going to help somebody else uh, that has to go through an egregious situation. And as you say, at the end of the day, how much do you want to spurn somebody that that hadn't even been adjudicated that this was the case? So we're going to say a couple of things. I'll give you the heights of the players that – uh, Coach Sampson signed Kyle Myers six foot ten, Chris Harris six foot ten, two hundred. Think Kyle Myers six ten, two twenty five. Damian six five. Oh, uh, what do we say? Wildcat about one eighty. That's what they said. Okay. And Rob <laughs> Rob Gray is a point guard six two one ninety. Got some size in there. And they go along. Ayla Robinson, the Gabby Lewis award winner. A kid that wanted to come to U of H and play. So, and that's a rarity. A local sadly, kid. Sadly, not. Not I mean, literally. Talented local kids want to come to U of H. So, uh, 
65210 for David Dodson. 65210. Yeah, two years of eligibility. UH coach, women's side, Coach Ronald Huey and his staff announced that five players will join. Uh, yes, five players. And I'm not doing, referring to them as the release says from the school. Five players. <laughs> um, 6'2 center Jacqueline Blake out of Miami, Florida. Brianne Kaufman is 6'3 from Oklahoma State. She's a transfer. Got a 5'5 guard. Diana Collins is it Diana? Which you, do you know, sir? Diana. Hey, until the kid mentioned it, it, you know, says it in, in, in the interview. In the interview. We'll, we'll get that. Trust. We'll get that interview. Yeah. Five seven. Kiara Graves, and uh, you lady from Chicago. Kiara Graves from Chicago. Duco at ooh what? Cas Cas Cascas ooh K A S K S K I A College. Oh man, what is that? Uh, Your guess is a JUCO. Let's go there. Kaskaskia, Kaskaskia's College. Really? She dropped 40, 24 points a game. Really? 24, wow. 2014, 2015. Yeah, I'm season. not familiar with 23.9. She fought. She shot 40% from a three. So I like that. And then we got a young lady from Cedar Hill High School. That, she playing against a UConn team that was beat that up. So well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> And then five ten later from Sanisha from Cedar Hills and Sanisha Newman. So, or it could be Sanisha, depending on how she wants to uh, have her eyes accentuated in her name. And where's she from? Cedar Hill. Uh, Average fifteen point six rebounds, two steals a game as a senior for in high school for Cedar Hill. Mm. So, um, Coach Hughes brought those players in. Going to tie in a little right side women's basketball. Then have new head coach Tina Langley from Maryland. Assistant coach in Maryland, honestly, and I still say this, and no, and, and you, if Rice folks want to take it this way, fine, not a bit, not concerned. Um, I am surprised that an associate head coach at a big time program like Maryland would choose to come to Rice as a head coach. Conference USA ain't the Big Ten. You know, you can say all you want to about we're willing to to uh, raise the level of expectations and all that stuff for Rice women's basketball. Okay, prove it. Now, prove it to me because last 10 years, I haven't given a damn about white women's basketball. I'm going to ask this question. Is it a jumping off point? Five years down I, the road. I would assume so. Why else would you want to come to Rice? Cause because it could, it, it, apparently in the, in the mission of the, the new athletic director, he wants programs, all the athletic programs over there, to be not just competitive, but we're talking about you know, top 25 and it's good to have it, dreams. It's, it's it, hey, it, that's in his mission yeah, statement. No, that, yeah. That's in, it's, it's online. It's uh, you sure, can go to, you can sure. go to that. Go, go to his his bio and his profile, and and he, he basically mentions that he wants the programs at Rice athletically to be competing on a national level, and not just be concerned with being in Conference USA. And you're talking about AD Joe Callgard. Yes. But Wildcat and Doc, give me your thoughts. This quote I read in the Chronicle kind of rubs me the wrong way. <clears throat> raw or, or just, or just rubs chafe? me the wrong way? No, no, no. You know, because there's different between raw and chafe. Yeah, it's, it's just rubs me the wrong way. Okay, from, <laughs> that's, that's from being mild. <laughs> Ad Carl Doc, I'm curious how you react to this in reference to Tina Langley. Quote, we think she brings the exact right combination of skills to Rice. 
I sat down with the kids after Coach Williams retired and asked them what they were looking for in a new head coach, and they were unanimous. They wanted someone who loved them, who gets to know them as people, but also push them to be the best basketball players that they could be. And that's Tina. End quote. Now. Exactly. Now. Look in your face, Doc. Yeah, I know. And and being a person that's that's over there on a regular basis, the first two bothered me. Yes. It it bothers me. This last part, we're going to find out. Because at some point, as a player, as a player, you got to step up and, and take responsibility. They wanted someone who loved them. And gets to know them as people. That's... Okay, I'm, uh, my perspective is completely different. Yeah. That's like, that, that, that my ideal. ideal. I'm going to look better at a head coach. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like a parent. Yeah, and I don't want a parent. You know, and a friend. I, you know, and, and as a coach, coach, as a coach, I'm, I'm, I can be a parent, but when... I care about you and your well-being. But, but when when it's time for but, us to go to work, and I say us, because I'm directing, I'm teaching, I'm giving instruction, I expect a response. And if I'm not getting that, I'm going to make a change. Because kids don't figure this out for whatever reason until it's too late. First-year coaches, everybody on the team is all equal, but you're on the clock. Well, I think it's interesting. You just own the clock. The AD is actually using the same terminologies that the college athletes use uh, in terms of using the word love as we look at and decode sports psychology. I think that is okay. an interesting component you got it, to bring to the table when you say that. That tells you a lot about the women there, uh, uh, the young ladies that are playing the game, that they're looking for love. Uh, and I am intrigued that they believe that a coach should be in a position that they feel they need that love. So there's some questions that you have. One, uh, is that just a, a terminology they use kind of openly from their framework? Or is it a case where they are deprived of love and they're looking for love? And if that's the case, it could be concerning because now you're suggesting that it may be looking at love and as they would say in the song, all the wrong place. place. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I really question, and I'm careful when somebody else says yeah. that a group said that because you don't get the appropriate context. So I'll kind of leave it open okay. like that just so the listeners can understand why you all have some concerns uh, of young people to. seeking uh, to have coaches love them. And as we know, particularly when you have uh, what has transpired in this nation in regards to love with some of the concerns we have with coaching, right. student relationships, yep. Yep. Uh, no matter what the gender is, there right. could be some major uh, confrontations with looking at that is in terms of mm-hmm. how you define, again, love. So until we really get down to really breaking down how they were framing this, uh, we could be looking at something that, more egregious, more serious than them, what we really need to. So I'll leave it open. Well, Doc, with that comment, I will too because I'm not the educator, not the administrator. You got that's in your that's in your your, your ballpark. I mean, you hitting it out. Um, Thank you. It's it's just interesting that you would hear that from a player. Uh, 
Or players. It, uh, yeah, it, it, it looks like it, it was team wide. You know, it's. Where could it? Uh, we, like, well, I, I, we I feel like it, She said, he, it, the, the AD, the new AD said that the I can imagine it was going So yeah. it, we don't know if, it, as you said, it was one player, a couple of players, yeah. most of the players. Or even if he interpreted the comments that they said differently, and he, and he imposed his own words uh, in terms of love, because they could have they could have used tough love, which would have created a whole different. Yeah, and he didn't add that context in there. And it, and, and, and that's so that what gives I was us a whole. Yeah, yeah it, it takes it like you said a, a tone and a connotation of. of so what's I'm going just going to take what he says and kind of leave it there, and, and and frame it such that we can continue to watch what takes place. On that, but that's why I always tell my students, and I'll bring us back to this: it is very important when you start uh, to provide context of your thoughts that you really measure by what you say and the words you use to say that, uh, because now we dissect so much yes. that you need to be upfront as much as possible to really contextualizing the picture that you want to paint using the verbiage that you use to do that. And die. whether that's on paper or orally, and I'll, I'll say this because I'm the person in the room that's been on the sidelines, and KG has seen me go off the deep end. <laughs> Every player that's played for me, I love them all, both male and female. But when I needed you to, I needed to get a reaction, or something wasn't going like I wanted it to, I would rip you. And I did it because it needed to be done at that particular time. But after it was done, we better be moving on. You better not be carrying that, and I better not be carrying that, because that's detrimental to the team and to the unit and to the to the individual back and forth. You're right, but you need, as you know, as a coach, and really as a teacher, or a professor, or even administrator in terms of working with people and managers, one of the most difficult things to do as a leader in those contexts mm-hmm. is really to read people so you can understand right. yeah. how what is the most appropriate way to get things done with right. this individual. Yeah. So where some people get in trouble is they try to use the same Yeah, blanket. And you can't do and that. And you can't do that with individuals because you don't know their their background right. and how things come off to them. And that's why again I say what you use to explain situations or to get things done is extremely important. Because how you contextually put that on people can be read differently based on how they interpret. Not what you meant to say, yeah. but essentially how they interpret. Right. Means everything. Gotta wrap it up. I got one one point and then I'll be done with this. Uh HBU's women's basketball program. They may have had a new signee this past week. Her name is and Adriana Jackson. Five one point guard from, from what high school, sir? North Shore High School in Houston, Texas. But, Doc, she has a SWAT connection. Is that right? Yes, sir. Her father, Andre, played baseball for both Prairie View and Texas Southern back in the day. But they are, uh, their signees for this spring is Charlotte Hodges, six foot forward from Kingwood, Texas. Amanda Johnson, six one. Wow, just getting six one guard. From Georgetown, Texas. That'll be interesting. Especially in the Southland. Uh, Bria Johnson, 5'6 point guard from Sunnyvale, Texas. And Veronica Karolinko, 6'4 center from Tashkent, Herberstein. Uh, Brooklyn Moore, 
511 forward from Murphy, Texas. And I, I hadn't had a chance to talk to uh, Coach Finney since her great run in the SLC at Southland uh, Conference Tournament. And it's interesting. That conference may change coaching landscape uh, here soon because some programs were looking to make changes all this season, especially at uh, Stephen F. Austin if Coach gets that, uh, that Kansas State job. What do you think, KG? And I'm done. Think about what? You know, SFA uh, head coach moving on to Kansas State. And going home? Yeah. Well, I hope he stays. He was at Imperial State before. And I hope he stays. <laughs> yes, I hope he stays. Wait, I mean, you know, so I like to keep some of the great coaches here in the state of Texas. Yeah, I think it's a good move for him. But it'd be a good move for him, you know. And I agree with Chris. No offense to Southland, but that's the Big 12, man. <laughs> hey, you know. Financially, it'd be a good look move. Look at Coach Black. So, you know, hey, I mean, that's. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Look, at, look at Coach Black. It happens. We all we can all talk about somebody's loyalty until money gets involved. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I don't I mean, hear. Hey, I heard, I saw money. I heard something else, but I saw money. That's like I'm gonna say it just like that. And some of them will say we're loyal to loyal to um, we're loyal to we're loyal to um, we're loyal to people. In terms of uh, a lot of people say we're loyal to finances. But uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. So who are you, sir? I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor of sports management here at Texas Southern University. And you can find me on the social media platforms of Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Sir? And you can find me. Who are you, man? Well, my name is Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., Fifth Yard Wildcat. You can find me online at on Twitter, tweet deck at JL Woodley One, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., Facebook also, uh, YouTube, Blogger, uh, and SoundCloud as AKSV, ZCSR, The College Sports Report. And I'm in the process of getting some assistance from Young KG to help me with my Blogger. My, my 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 blog right now. I'm having issues with it. Hopefully, it'll get resolved before the week is out. But once it does, folks, you will be enthralled. Yes. Before you close <laughs> well, that's it out, a big word. The enthralled. <laughs> hey, no, like no pressure. No pressure. Go ahead. Before you close it out, I would like to say I showed y'all before that we will have a book coming out for uh, university uses called "The Athletic Experience at Historically Black College and Universities: Past, Present, and Persistent." It was edited by Billy Hawkins, Joseph Cooper, Akilah Carter, Francique, and myself, Jafus Kenyatta Cavill. Billy Hawkins, a professor at University of Georgia. Joseph Cooper is a professor at the University of Connecticut, or better known as UConn. And Akilah Carter, Francique, is a professor at Texas A&M University. And obviously, you know, I'm here at Texas Southern University. So excited about that. We'll be going up to the University of South Carolina for the CSR, the College Sports Research Institute, presenting two research papers about the framework of HBCU sports and all these are professors in the sports management landscape. And I'm KG of the Houston Round Bar View website, HoustonRoundBarView.com, Houston Round Bar View on Instagram. Check out our, our podcast page on Facebook, KG 
Fifth Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. Once again, KG Fifth Wildcat and Doc podcast page on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at THEHR Review. Wildcat and I get ready for the Rockets Mavs game one. All of us have Rockets winning the series. Remember that, listeners, all of us have the Rockets winning the series. Don't forget about our podcasts are also available on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. Thank you, as always, for checking us out. Thank you, as always, for telling your friends about the podcast. Wildcats fan following is growing. He tells me that daily, that uh, people are checking him out, even discussing his his uh, natty sartorial attire, apparently. so Yeah. So you, you boys couldn't keep that quiet. So I, it wasn't me. So I, don't, I don't know what's going on. So, but so, so, you know, so people are observing Wildcat and, and his travels throughout the, his college sports landscape as he is the college sports reporter. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. Thank you for your time and your insight and knowledge. It's NBA playoff time. Looking forward to uh, watching the games and the wins unfold as we have, have begun the uh, two-month trek to another champion and then it'll be NBA draft time and and we got spring football college football taking place and NFL drafts coming up we have some thoughts on that in upcoming podcasts so a lot of good things for us to discuss in future podcasts and heck Labor Day Classic will be around the corner and then we'll be doing college basketball media days in October and Wildcat now hopefully we'll be uh, making a trip to Orlando for Media day for the American Athletic yeah, Conference. Be a good run. Basketball. And of course, wrap it up with the men's Final Four 2016. We'll be in H Town. Yeah. Yes. So, right uh, here in the backyard. We're going right to get Doc involved the way he can get his. I appreciate it. I look forward to it. And whatever I need to do, I'll start moving forward to get it done. Yes, sir. Thank you, as always, fellas. Listeners, thank you for your time. Thank you for your tweets and your comments. I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. Oh, one more thing. Ladies who follow. Me on SoundCloud. Thank you very much. I don't know who you are. Thank you very much. Thank you as always. Is, is this from Tampa? No, this is a, this is worldwide, man. This, yeah, this, this is, is worldwide. So thank you very much. I need to learn different languages so I can thank them and translate in their own language. Translate. Yeah, I, I, I need I need you to need, do that. Yeah, trust me. It, it I, have, I have friends in Brazil, so as we as uh, she knows quite well. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> we'll wrap it up man. as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.